Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Going Up Cast, your weekly feel-good podcast with tequila tastings, spooky ghost experiences, a live show with the McElroys, a box from the McElroys, another box from the McElroys, new songs of the week, and a lovely chat regarding a brand new Netflix show. I'm your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. So this week, we cover some fantastic ground. This is the longest episode of the Going Up cast to date because there's just so much to talk about. I went to the Adventure Zone live in the Seattle at the Paramount Theater with the Good Good McElroy Bros. And I talk a lot about that. I've been watching a lot of new stuff on Netflix and I talk about my new favorite show that Netflix has put out. I cook an old family recipe. I give it my, uh, my unique spin and I talk a little bit about that and how you can make it at home on your own. We do a lot of stuff from my car this week, and that's there's a lot covered on in there. I go tequila shopping, and I do some tequila tastings, which is always a lot of fun. Two brand new songs of the week. Three brand new Harry Potter chapters. There's just so much, there's so much going on in this podcast. It's an amazing episode. I'm really proud of this one, but let's get right into the podcast with, oh, let's start with what's new in the Netflix sphere. So, for this uh, bit of the podcast, I'm going to talk about a new show I've been watching on Netflix, but I want to provide a little bit of a background first. Now, I enjoy a lot of different types of shows. I'm a big fan of American Ninja Warrior. I like my cooking cooking programs, whether it's The Great British Bake Off or Iron Chef America, you know, whatever. Those sorts of things. But um, if I was to like list out like my top 10 favorite shows of all time, I would say the majority of those shows would technically be classified as like... I don't know. I guess the the layman would call them like kid shows. But I think if you look at things like Batman the Animated Series and Avatar The Last Airbender, there's a lot going on in these shows that would advance them beyond just being children's television. It is, it is, they've got like depth to them. There's a lot in there that kids won't get. You know what I mean? Like just because it's animated, doesn't mean it's for kids. I mean, South Park is a wonderful example of that. The show's not for kids at all. But on the flip side, I don't find that show to be very good. So you get you get you get two sides of it. You know, just because it's animated doesn't mean it's for kids, and just because it's animated doesn't mean it's going to be good. There is a lot of terrible, terrible children's programming out there. But that's not the point of this segment of the podcast. Brand new show just dropped on Netflix a couple of days ago. I think a week by the time you guys hear this, called Hilda. It is a Canadian-British animated show based off of a graphic novel of the same name. And I saw, like, the Netflix trailer. You know, when you boot up Netflix and it's like, here's a new thing. And it gives you, like, a little trailer. And I fell, like, in love with this show immediately. I loved the aesthetic. I loved all the cool creature designs. I was like, all right, I'm in. I'm in. You know, it seems like the show's going to have some feels. And it looks like it's going to be good. So, I gave it a shot. Uh, I'm two episodes in. There's a 13 episode season one on Netflix right now, and I gotta, I gotta say, I'm loving it. It's like visually, it's really cool. It's a little simplistic, uh, absolutely. It's definitely got that same kind of adventure timey, um, almost rubber hose animation with like the extremities, that kind of stuff. Um, It's very simplistic, but that is not to say it is bad. I think it's very cool looking. You know what it looks like? It looks like a graphic novel. That's what it looks like. The music is super cool. Big fan of the voice acting. The first two stories are really cool. Um, 
You don't have to have read... Well, I mean, if you did read the graphic novel before the show became a thing, you're probably going to pick up on things that I'm not getting just because that's how those things usually work. Um, but I believe you can absolutely just drop right into the show and enjoy it. The show focuses on the titular character, Hilda, who spends uh, the first couple of episodes living in the woods with, uh, with her mom. And she goes on all sorts of different crazy adventures with a diplomatic mission and stuff like that. Uh, it shows cases quite a lot of the world. Uh, there's a lot of good world building right out the gate. A couple of interesting side characters that made me laugh out loud a lot. Um, and for me, it, it really kind of scratches that itch of like child wonder, you know? With uh, that's one of the draws I have to like the Miyazaki movies with um, like My Neighbor Totoro and uh, Princess Mononoke, just like these wondrous creatures in these fantastic landscapes. And what this show also gets right is the balance between the two, you know what I mean? Where it's like, here's some whack ass shit, crazy animals that are radical and are like flying puffballs with little squiggly tails and then they just soar through the air and you don't understand how they're flying and they're called like wafts or woofers or something. I don't know what they were called. Um, and then you got the people side of it, right? And in Trollberg, it's like the big city and it's walled off to keep all the crazy monsters out. And it, uh, it's got a good little dichotomy there. And the, like the whole feel is super like Pacific Northwest, deep forest, huge mountains, like that kind of area of the world so i can't help but thinking that this show just takes place in like oregon or something like that you know just like all the crazy creatures and the balance between the people and the nature it's like you would think it's washington but i don't know i think the the general wackiness of this really makes me think that's like it's in oregon or it's like way up north in canada you know those sorts of things but it is it's very good um i actually like this show better then another show I've been watching on Netflix recently called The Good Cop. I'll take a couple seconds to talk about that one as well. Now, The Good Cop has Josh Groban, famed singer, uh, I believe he's a tenor, uh, as a goody two-shoes, kind of stick-up-his-ass cop, uh, where his uh, dad, uh, Tony Danza, who was a, like, a bad cop, I guess would be a, a good way of phrasing that. He kind of smuggled money and did crime, you know, corrupt uh cop that sort of deal but what's nice about that show is number one it's a cop drama but it's a pg cop drama it tells you right out the gate like this show is rated pg so uh, it's very kind of low key you know like you'll see a body like a murdered body that's just there on the ground and instead of going like oh my fucking god the cop goes oh cribbity crap it's like it's that short a show so if that isn't your bag then you're not gonna like it but i have been describing it to people as it's cozy tv you put on the good cop with like a hot cup of tea and a blanket and when the weather's kind of shitty outside and each like scene is intercut with this pink panther henry mancini style of smooth jazz a lot of soft pianos it's a very comforting show to watch it it doesn't take a lot of brain energy to keep up with what's going on if i had to equate this to another like crime drama show i would call the next best show to the good cop would be scooby-doo like that's the sort of level of mystery we're working with here it's like you can put the really 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 obvious well telegraphed clues throughout the episode together on your own with like no brain energy whatsoever it's not the 
most competent cop show. It's not going to make you think really hard. It's just pleasant to watch. You know, there's a crime happens, and then you watch Josh Groban figure out what the crime was. And it's nice and comforting, and you're cozy in your blanket, and you can probably take a nap and wake up and haven't missed a thing. So, it might not win any awards, and it might not have you on the edge of your seat with riveting storylines, but you know what? If you just want something mindless while, like, you're folding laundry or, you know, answering some emails, my God, I don't... I don't think another show would even come close to fitting that delicious bill. Hilda, I want you to have give it your fullest attention. Because this show has so much love put into it. It's crazy. Like, and I, I don't know about you guys, but when I was a kid, I moved a lot. Okay? And one of the biggest parts of, at least in the early episodes, is Hilda leaving the, the comfort of the nature and the forests and moving to the big city. And I can absolutely relate to Hilda having moved at key moments throughout my entire childhood. I moved when I was in second grade. I moved right before I went to high school. Like, I moved at, like, really key points, you know, throughout the education of my of my youth. And every time you move, you got to make new friends, and you got to meet people, and you got to do that whole thing. And, you know, it, it's, it has its own challenges that comes along with it, but you also gain so much in the process. It's a nice balance. And I'm looking forward to watching the other 11 episodes of this show and see what uh, what crazy adventures Hilda gets up to in the city. Um, there's I'm not going to tell you any of the teasers or anything like that, but at the end of episode two, right at the gate, Hilda's disappointed that she's not going to see any cool, interesting creatures. And then the camera just kind of pans up and you see some shit. And I was just like, oh, damn, here we go. All right. Nature, nature is in the big city, too, because that thing looks dope. And uh, it's just, I love it. Oh, there's this little bit. All right. So she's got she's got a little little elf friend whose name I don't remember. But she's got a little elf friend. And when I say little, like, size your ear. Like, he's really tiny. And um, there's this bit where she's climbing a mountain to find, like, the king of the elves. So she can uh, have her and her mom, like, stay in the valley because the elves want to get rid of him. And the little elf guy gets, like, a little cold. And he, like, grabs some of Hilda's hair and wears it as a blanket. And he gets all warm. And then in, like, the next shot, he's got this adorable tiny little elf map. And I'm just sitting here going, like, oh, my God, he's got a tiny map. Oh, this is the fucking cutest thing in the world. God damn it, this is adorable. Oh, I love shit like that. Oh, it's so heartwarming. Oh, God. Oh, man. You gotta watch it. If you're gonna watch one of the shows, watch Hilda. Oh, it's a kid show. Trust me on this one. This is one of the best shows Netflix has come out with. Bar none. Bar none. This might be this might be my favorite Netflix show that they've come out with. It's it is that good. I will I will say that and defend it to the end of days. Now, whether or not Hilda can stick the landing, because they've started off really strong, that remains to be seen. So I'll I'll probably talk more about this uh, when I finished the show. Uh, given how long the episodes are, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, there's another segment in this very podcast where I talk about the rest of the show. But I highly recommend you guys watch it. Um, I think there's there's a lot to be gained no matter what age you're at. And I think that's the point of shows like this. Is that it's it's not just good for a kid's show. It's a good show. Period. And end of sentence there. It's just good TV. That's what this is. It is just good, solid TV. And I'm tired of this fucking stigma attached to kid shows. No, you're an adult. You shouldn't watch these things. You should go out and watch, like, This Is Us. And I'm like, no, I don't want to watch that. You know why? Because This Is Us is scientifically designed to make you cry like a little girl. 
And I don't need that in my life, okay? I watch shows to be happy. I got enough misery going on and other shit that I don't want it when I'm watching TV, okay? I want slice of life, happy-go-lucky stories that make me feel good on the inside. Life is too goddamn short to watch shows that don't make you happy. Life's too short for you to do things that don't make you happy. That's the whole point of this podcast. Do shit that makes you happy. Don't let people tell you what to watch. Unless they're trying to recommend a good show like I'm doing right now. And I'm telling you to go watch Hilda because it's going to make you feel good on the inside. And that's the point of everything. I don't know why I'm getting so mad about it. But just, you got you to gotta trust me. Alright. As as the, the host of a happy podcast. This will make you happy. Like, like nothing else on Netflix has yet. Like there's some good shows on Netflix. But this one... This is this is the one. This is the one to keep your eye on. This is the one to get really excited for when season two happens. And I'm also really interested. Like I want to go out and find the graphic novel. Is what I want to go do. So go watch Hilda. I cannot wait to hear you guys' opinions on it. If you like it, if you don't like it, send me an email at goamcast@gmail.com. Let's talk about it. Let's open. Oh, sorry. Wow, that was disgusting. Send me an email. I want to open up a dialogue. Um, I'm going to leave all that in. I don't even care. Uh, yeah, go watch Hilda. It's really good. And if you have a show on Netflix that you're really excited about, I want to hear about it. I, you know, there's a lot out. There's a lot out there. It's looking at the Wikipedia page of like shows released on Netflix. And it's like 2016. It was like, oh, it's a couple. 2017. Oh, it's a bit more. 2018. It's just like, bam. And it's just like, oh, there's freaking shows that Netflix has come out with. There's so many. You can't possibly watch them all. But if you do, you got to watch Hilda. So just, just trust me. All right. You got to trust me. The show is worth watching. Anyway, that's enough of me talking about Hilda. Like I said, probably going to talk about Hilda a little later on in the same podcast. But for now, let's move on to something else in the podcast. So this week, we have three brand new Harry Potter chapters. But I have a little bit of a of a story with today's highlight of these Harry Potter chapters. But real quick, chapter 16, Professor Trelawney's Prediction. Chapter 17, Cat, Rat, and Derg. Chapter 18, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. No. Chapter 16, I was going to say about seven minutes in, but I don't know why I'm giving you the timestamp because we're about to hear exactly what I'm about to talk about. So I record these chapters almost exclusively very late at night um, just because that's kind of what happens. It's like, all right, I'm getting ready for bed. I'll crank out a Harry Potter chapter real quick and then I'll just whip around and go back to sleep. Uh, that kind of that kind of mentality. There's a couple of episodes where I do them like during the day or like early in the morning, and I'll I'll tell you in the episode when those occur. It'll be like, ah, it's like really early in the morning. Here we go, you know that kind of thing. Um, but this one was very late at night, and in classic me recording tradition, I was home by myself. And God, you know, like listening to this segment now, I absolutely do hear what I heard then. But I think I'll just let you guys hear it, and then let's see what you all think. So here's the here's the highlight from Chapter 16, Professor Trelawney's prediction. Excellent, Harry! Lupin muttered as Harry climbed out of the trunk, grinning. Full marks! Flushed with his success, Harry hung around to watch Ron and Hermione. Ron did very well until he reached the Hickeypunk, which successfully confused him into sinking waist high into the quagmire. Hermione did everything perfectly until she reached the trunk with the bar in it. After about a minute inside, she burst out again, screaming. Hermione! Said Lupin. The fuck was that? That was weird. I wonder if that got picked up by the audio. It was, I swear to God, that sounded more like a ghost than I've than anything I've ever heard in my life. Wow. All right, I'm legitimately spooked now. I'm gonna huddle in closer to the microphone 
You guys gotta keep me company. Oh god. That was terrifying. What the fuck was that? I guess I'll find out later. When I'm killed in my sleep. Listening back to it now, it was probably just like water moving through a pipe. Or maybe like a particularly strong gust of wind that blows like right by my window. But I don't know what made that noise. And it still spooks me to this day. But the fact that it didn't kill me means that, you know, clearly it's not a malevolent spirit. I just might be a little bit spooked out of my britches on that one. But we got three Brain or Harry Potter chapters every week. Except for next week. Exciting, exciting stuff. Next week is four Harry Potter chapters. Because that will finish Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. It is not easily divisible by three. This week there's only 22 chapters, not 21. So... Next week, we will have four Harry Potter chapters, the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, which means we will be starting Goblet of Fire on the 17th of October, which is good, because I'm in Vegas the previous week, and uh, <laughs> I got a video to film, and I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to do that. So, good good stuff. Looks like I'll be filming it in Vegas at this rate. Um, that'll be fun. But yeah. Harry Potter, the Prisoner of Azkaban. We got two more weeks. Final, final four chapters landing next Wednesday. Goblet of Fire starting up the week after that. Very excited, and we will be with Goblet of Fire through to the end of the year because it's long and long. It's a long book. It's going to carry us all the way through into January, no problem. So very excited about that. And then there will be Order of the Phoenix and then some other stuff after that. I don't remember the names of those books, but there will be other stuff after that. But in the meantime, let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. So my family has a long history of, uh, of like a particular cycle of really delicious meals that like we as a unit have, have developed over the years and perfected. And every now and then I like to just to kind of take a crack at um, these these recipes because I've eaten them my whole life and I never really know the exact process it takes to make them, especially when they're so delicious. So every now and then I like to experiment. And this was one of those instances. You can actually find a picture of this completed meal on the blog uh, with a quick kind of breakdown of what's actually in the meal. But this was my take on chicken enchiladas, which is a household staple for us here. And it's, the way I did it was pretty straightforward. I took a red bell pepper and a whole sweet onion, chopped those up real thin and like long strips like you would find in like a fajita. And then I just kind of pan uh, seared those till they got nice and soft, brown and crispy, you know, that kind of that kind of jam. And then I just kind of let them uh, cook down so they were really soft when they went in the enchiladas. Then I took three chicken breasts, chopped them up, threw them in a big pan with a bunch of taco seasonings and a shit ton of oil, let those cook to, you know, perfection. And then what you do is you assemble. So I took some tortillas. I had six tortillas. I heated those on the stove so they were soft and supple. Then I put those on a plate, put the chicken down, put the uh, peppers and onions down. Um, Although um, before the chicken hits the tortilla, I tossed it in green enchilada sauce first. Um, and that kind of really adds to the flavor. Put the chicken down in the tortilla, then the peppers on top, then a lot of cheese. You sprinkle it with, with a good amount of cheese, roll that up nice and tight, flip it over, put it in like a uh, like the Pyrex baking dish, rinse and repeat till you got all six in there. 
Hopefully this uses up all the peppers and onions and all the chicken so you don't have any leftover. Um, I just kind of dumped a few chickeny bits like on top afterwards that just didn't make it into an enchilada. I was just like, ah, fuck it, put it in the pan. And then you drown the whole thing and the rest of the enchilada sauce, you only use about half of it to coat the chicken. And then you drown all of that in cheese, stick it in at like a 375 to 400 degree oven until the cheese melts, because everything's cooked on the inside. You just want the cheese to melt. Um, and then I stuck it under the broiler for a little bit to get a little bit of brown action going on. You go along and you cut those bad boys out, put them on a plate with some salsa and guacamole, and you're done. And it's delicious. And I also want to talk briefly about the beverage of choice, at least that I made, um, with this meal. I had zested a lime over the uh, enchiladas before they went into the oven, uh, and that just added a nice... A nice little little extra flavoring over there um, but you gotta be real careful when you zest the lime because I grated my knuckle against the the zester and took a fair amount of skin off and now there's a band-aid on my finger and it hurts like hell but that's beside the point I took the lime that had been grated for zest I cut that in half put it into my uh, cocktail shaker full of ice along with a couple of shots of Grand Marnier and uh, Blanco tequila it's good squeeze of agave nectar shook that bad boy up made my favorite cocktail it's called the um, Casa Dragones Top Shelf. Um, at least that's what it was called at, uh, oh God. L like La Cava del Tequila, I believe it's called. It is a tequila bar in the Mexican Pavilion in Epcot. I believe I've spoken about it before on the podcast, but I've consumed quite a bit of this cocktail already. So my memory isn't very good right now. <laughs> but I just wanted to mention it. I know it's on the blog. Uh, if you go back a couple of days on National Tequila Day, I spoke about this drink. I don't think I ever talked about it in the podcast itself though. Uh, and this drink um, is superb. It is basically a really fancy margarita because the tequila of choice, which is Casa Dragones Blanco tequila, um, is well over $100. It is very expensive tequila. Um, I actually have spoken to some family members who think I should get just a, a, a like a solid like $40, $50 Blanco tequila to see if I taste the difference. Um, I probably won't, to be perfectly honest, the predominant flavor in this, let me take a sip and I can tell you. Let's see. It's very sweet and it tastes of limes. Like that's the predominant flavor. And the tequila and the Grand Marnier add, or the Grand Marnier adds another kind of citrusy hint, but the tequila itself, you don't really taste it um, in this cocktail. So yeah, you know what? They might be onto something. It's just booze is what I'm after. As long as it's like pure 100% agave. Um, and that's really key with tequila. You want to make sure it's pure 100% agave. Because if it's anything less than that, then you're probably gonna get a wicked bad hangover because of all the terrible other things that's in there. So, you know, be really careful when buying tequila. Usually with tequila and a lot of liquors, um, there's a point when it becomes so expensive that it isn't better, but you wanna make sure it's a good amount of money. Don't get the really cheap stuff because the cheap stuff will get you, you'll get a hangover and you'll get screwed up way faster. But the, the decent to awesome stuff is usually worth the money and, you know, hopefully you're not drinking all that much to, you know, drain your bank account. So, but I use that tequila because that's what they used at Epcot. That's the place I had the drink for the first time. And it's nostalgic as fuck for me whenever I drink one of these things because it's always like, oh man, I'm right back there in the Mexican pavilion and I love the Mexican pavilion. It's like, it's like a street market. Just indoors, it's nighttime, you can sit by a fountain, everything's in there, like everybody's like bustling around, or is um, 
eating dinner in this nice little quiet area. It kind of reminds me of the Blue Bayou restaurant you find in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in Disneyland in California because the restaurant's inside the ride itself and there is the, uh, like, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like the Three Caballeros ride. Uh, it's basically, it's a small world Mexican style with um, like Donald, um, Panchito, and Jose just kind of dicking around. Um, and that ride usually has like no line. So when you get trashed on the Casa Dragones top shelf, because this thing will, this is like a $20 cocktail that you're good. You're, you're like, you drink one of these and then Epcot is just awesome fun. Cause you are just decently buzzed the rest of the day. It hangs out. Doesn't taste like it's very alcoholic and that is where the danger lies. You almost think they water it down in the parks, but I can guarantee you this drink will make your day amazing if you can drink. If you can't drink, don't don't drink it. Um, cause you're not old enough. But when you are old enough, oh boy, make put this on your list. Oh man, I can't wait to go back to Disney World in a couple of years and make a podcast about drinking around the world. Oh, I'm so excited! And that's a game you play at Epcot where you have a different alcoholic beverage at each of the world pavilions. Um, it's a gauntlet, let me tell you. It's over a mile walk physically. Like, the, the distance around the lake is like 1.4 miles or something like that. So you got a long way to walk in the hot sun. There's a lot of booze to drink, so you got to pace yourself. And there's a lot of food. And it really should be, if done correctly, an all-day event. You don't want to do around the world, um, drinking around the world in like two hours. Because you'll be, you'll, you'll die. Just don't do that. Because think about what's on the list. Like, you got tequila in Mexico, you got wine in Italy, you got beer in Germany, you got sake in Japan, you got, there's a there's a mixture, you got whiskey in Canada. Like, you gotta be really careful when doing this, alright? You gotta be smart, and you gotta pace yourself, and you gotta eat throughout. So, usually, like, plan some meals, you know? Get, like, a quick stop, like, some bread, you know, there's got, like, the, uh, they've got the, um, uh, like, fried dough... At uh, the American Pavilion, you can get some of that. You can also get moonshine at the American Pavilion, so you gotta be really freaking careful, okay? This is not done lightly, alright? You gotta plan your whole day around it. You gotta know how you're getting home. You gotta have a designated explorer <laughs> who isn't drinking around the world. Just be careful, alright? And um, hey, you know what? You can take your crack at uh, chicken enchiladas because, as I proved, it's super easy. It's ridiculously easy. Um, and it's delicious. And because I love doing stuff like this, I had like four enchiladas left over. That's, that's like breakfast, dinner, breakfast, dinner for like the next two days. So I don't have to worry about it, you know? And on that third day, I'll probably defrost some more meat, probably pork this time. And, uh, I'll use that, uh, moving forward. I've got like another six tortillas left. So I can just make like quesadillas and stuff like that. And, um, that should see me through to the weekend. Uh, and then I can go grocery shopping before uh, before I got to go pick up people at the airport. So that's exciting. I don't know why I'm giving you a breakdown of my week, but I just want to, you know, I get a little chatty when I get a little buzzed. Um, and it's just, it's nice to sit down and talk to you guys. I'll be honest. I feel like I'm always talking with a purpose, but I, how, how's your day? How are you doing? I'm really curious. You know, be, be nice to have a little dialogue going on. Um, oh, um, this is kind of a random thought. But I'm going to toss this in here real quick. You may recall a couple of weeks ago that I mentioned that the next Patreon live stream was going to be on the 13th of October. That's going to have to be rescheduled. And here's why. I'm going to be in Vegas during that time. And I don't think I will have the ability to live stream from Las Vegas during 
my little vacation. So we have a we have a choice. I'm tempted to lean towards we could do it sooner, which I don't think is going to be really practical because I have a a lot to do at work next week. So I think what we will end up doing is we will plan the Patreon live stream for the month of October actually on the 20th, which does put us closer to Halloween and I do plan on playing some scary games. So I am I am excited about it, but we'll 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 push it back just a week because I'll be on vacation. We'll do it on the 20th. I will endeavor to yeah, I mean like yeah, the next day would have been the the 10th of November and I'm gone all of that next week um for another vacation back to Vegas. So We'll figure it out. Man, this is all coming up really quickly. I need to buy plane tickets to Vegas for November. Oh, well. Things to think about for the sure times. Anyway, make this cocktail. It's delicious. You can probably use cheaper ingredients. Do not use, what's it called? It's like Contro. Don't use that. All right? You can get a cheaper Blanco tequila. You can probably even use Añejo tequila if you really wanted to. Probably give it a bit more of a depth of flavor. Uh, but do not shit cheap out on the Grand Marnier orange liqueur. That is the best orange liqueur. It's a little pricey, and I don't know, you should probably shop around because the cheapest location to buy it might surprise you because I'm relatively positive out of like BevMo, Total Wine, Fred Meyer, Costco, and Trader Joe's and this other fancy grocery store I go to, the cheapest place I found to get Grand Marnier is freaking Trader Joe's. Who saw that coming? It's like $36 there. That's like 11 bucks off. It's crazy. Um, so shop around, all right? And obviously, you know, get a good lime. Limes with a thinner skin will have more juice. If you pick up a lime and it's like a rock, you know, that's, pro that's probably a good zesting lime, but it won't be a good juice lime. You want limes that have like a really paper thin skin. That's, those are the best limes. The ones that are kind of squishy, um, but not like squishy like rotten. Squishy as in like thin skinned. Those are good, those are good juice limes. Those are good juice limes. And you can get, uh, you can get agave nectar. Um, in reasonable sized bottles at Trader Joe's. You can also get 14 gallons of the stuff at freaking Costco. I'm like, I don't make these all that often, so I don't need this much agave nectar, Costco. I appreciate it. It's nice that you do things in bulk, but I don't need I don't need this much agave nectar in my life. So what's your what's your go-to cocktail? Those of you of drinking age, what is your go-to cocktail? Or what is your go-to beverage of choice? I know several friends who just like to, you know, get a little get a little glass of whiskey at the end of a day or you know top off their evening with a nice crisp beer you know and there's a lot of, there's a lot out there there's a lot in the world and I'd love to expand my own horizons so if you have a favorite cocktail that you like to consume at the end of a long day and or long week please send in your uh, recipe at goingcast at gmail.com I would love to hear about it and hey you know what I might even drink it for the podcast and I don't know about you but I think alcohol makes these things Way more fun for everybody involved. So if you got a favorite cocktail, that'd be fantastic. Do you have a favorite like family recipe that's been passed down that your family would allow you to share? I know my family's got some recipes that have been passed down there. So like we we guard those with knives and pitchforks. Like you ain't getting your hands on these. They're too delicious to go beyond our walls. Too delicious. But if you do have one that you can share with us, I would love to hear it and attempt to bake it. Attempt to make it. Attempt to eat it. Send those at goamcast.gmail.com or you can use the contact page at goamcast.com. I'd love to hear from you guys. You can also tweet me or, uh, you know what, if it if the food keeps, you can just send it to me. I'm not going to give you my address, but just stick it in the mailbox and see what happens. Uh, and maybe somewhere down the road I'll have a P.O. box. And then uh, and then we could get some get some things exciting going that way. But that's enough of my drunken rambling. I'm now going to junk, drunkenly... Oh, my God. 
I'm now going to. I can do this. Come on. I'm now going to drunkenly ramble whilst reading Harry Potter chapters because that's the number one thing I do when I've when I've had a cocktail. So you'll hear the results of this way later on. Way later on. Because I'm in book six right now and oh boy. That's not going to be hitting your ears for a long time. But you know what? Let's move on to the next thing of the podcast. Something that will hit your ears right now. Hello, everybody. It is I, and I'm just now pulling out of Total Wine. Spirits, beer, and more. They do have more than just beer and spirits. Oh, don't, don't hit each other. Don't, sorry, people backing out of the parking lot. People swerving into the parking lot. It's a dangerous combination. Especially when we all have very expensive liquors in our car. Or perhaps that's just me. I ran out. Well, not ran out. I'm running low. Where are you going? Are you just going straight? Where are you going? There's nothing over there. Anyway, I, I'm running low on my tequila of choice for my my beverage. Being, uh, being the Casa Dragones top shelf. I really hope I can go left out of here. That's my hope. Can't go right, so I gotta go left. So I'm hoping that we can just this is just a thing we can do. I'm gonna pull up right behind this guy. Hope for the best on this. I think so, yeah. I think I think the traffic will stop and then we can just go. So I got myself another bottle of the uh, Casa Dragones, which is, I was looking at like a you know, best tequilas list. And it was the very last one on the list was Casa Dragones. And it basically was like, if you got some cash to spend and want to be a fancy boy, well, buy this stuff. And I'm just like, goddamn right, I want to be a fancy boy. So I got myself a so a bottle of Casa Dragones. And um, taking my family's advice loosely, um, they argue that based on everything else that's in the beverage, I can actually get a cheaper um, Blanco tequila and achieve the same, the same basic thing. I shouldn't need to buy the super expensive stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll try some other stuff. I'll try something else. And so I picked up a bottle of, oh, what's it called? Let me check real quick if I can reach it without getting pulled over for holding liquor in my hands. It is Rocca Patron. So it's Patron tequila, um, you know, like in those fancy bottles with the big cork and stuff. It's another Patron tequila, but it is, um, it's their Blanco. Um, but the Rocca line is uh, more artisanal, I guess would be the correct way. It uses a method that they originally used to make tequila. It's, I believe it's called, it's T-H-A or T-A-H-N-O-A or something like that. It's like Tanoa or Tanho or something like that, um, which is the traditional method for creating tequila, basically using um, like old school volcanic um, rock stones to crush the agave and then like clay pots to cook it in to get the get that delicious liquor out and all that stuff and so because I can't do things halfway I got a bottle of that in my defense of uh, like a the, so the Casa Dragones is like 750 milliliter bottle of tequila I got a pint of the Rocca stuff so it, is, it was way cheaper for sure um but like a full bottle of the Rocca is about the same as the Dragones. And it's like, well, why would I spend this much money on a, on a maybe when I could spend a, like a little more on a for certain, you know, that kind of, 
that kind of attitude. There was a car accident on the road I drove in on within the last 20 minutes because this was not here when I was driving this direction and now there's like ambulances and all sorts of crap. So that is a nasty wreck. Holy crap. I mean, there's an ambulance there, but I didn't see any anybody hurt. They were just kind of sitting on the sidelines and nobody was hurt from that. Holy fuck. Sorry, the front half of that car was just completely blown off. That's, I don't know how fast they were going, but that's obscene. So, hope they're okay. Anyway, so I got a, I got a tiny bottle of the Rocket Patron. I'm gonna try that. Um, Cause you know what, fuck it. So I'm probably, I'm gonna, I think what I might do is I'm just pour a little bit of that and then pour a little bit of the Casa Dragones and just have a little, little tasting session. Little, little sip here, sip there kind of thing going on. So see which one fits the bill just a bit more. So that's the, uh, that's the plan at least. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about my, my new tequila find. When I was looking at that same list, I was like, if you want to be a fancy boy, get the Casa Dragones. The, the Rocket Patron was present on the list. That's why I recognized it. And when I'm going to buy it, I pick up the box it's in and the box is empty. And I'm like, okay, does that mean they don't have it? Or does that mean I have to like go to like a locked case and get this stuff? And um, it was the latter. Apparently the stuff was just walking off the shelves because that's what the, uh, that's what the workers told me. They were like, yeah, for some reason when it's in the box, it goes missing, it's weird. And I'm like, that is strange. I'm like, who the fuck? Ugh. Come on, guys. I want the tequila too. Plus, it's so much easier to buy tequila that it isn't in a fucking box. Or to steal it, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah. So, I got it. So, I'm very excited about trying it out. Now, I just need to get home. And it'll take me a good 20-ish minutes. So, that's all I really had to say. I just wanted to say I'm buying some tequila. I think what we'll hear next in the podcast is me talking about which one I think is better. So let's just cut straight to that and cut out the middleman. All right, so I've got my little bottle of Roca Patron Silver Tequila, 100% agave. Just gonna get myself a little, little tasting glass here. Gonna go with this guy, make sure it's clean. Now, let's just do a little, little sifter. I've got plenty of things I need to do today, so. Just a, just a little taster, a little true taster. Yeah, that'll do. Equivalent of like, I don't know, half a shot. Just a, just a little bubbly, little bubbly serving here. I don't want to call it bubbly, because tequila is anything but, so. Mmm, ooh, it smells really good. Uh, let's just knock it back. That is very fruity. That's pretty good. I like that a lot. It's very smooth. Mmm. Mmm. I think that will go wonderfully in my tequila cocktail of choice. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's got a lot more depth of flavor than I would have expected from a... I was going to say from a silver tequila, but I guess basically... The only tequilas I own are silver, so which I think is interesting because you know most of the time I'm a I'm a dark liquor guy. You know I like my my heavy whiskeys and my extra yeho stuff, but 
I know. Well, I could kill it. It's good stuff. It's good stuff for sure. I don't really feel the need to taste test the um, Dragones because I've definitely had it before. Um, but I guess I haven't had it straight, have I? Oh, all right. I'll go fish out my uh, my little bottle of the stuff here in a hot second. Let me just package this up. And then we'll take a little walk over to the liquor cabinet. Do-do-do. There's a fan blowing as well. All right. Let's just stash you away. Down beneath. There we go. Behind all that garbage. Grab this box. Okay. Now. Just going to pop the lid off this. Oh. There we go. So. This bottle of Dragones was bottled in 2016, aged not that long because it's a silver tequila, so you don't really care about how long it's aged, but this is bottle number 5,123. I wonder what bottle, actually, I just bought. Let's find out after I taste a little bit of it. Ooh, wow. Those flavor profiles could not be more different. This one's a lot more like woody, dare I say herbal, in quality. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's got a lot, it's a lot of stronger earthy uh, quality to it than I would have expected, which is really interesting to me. Because I've not had that straight. It's almost got like an ashy flavor to it, if I'm being honest. That's really interesting. Ugh. Maybe if I keep talking about them long enough, they'll pay me money to drink their tequila. Which would be incredible. Looking at you, Casa Dragones. I'm drinking your stuff. It's delicious. And I recommend it. So, those are very different tequilas. But not something I would have expected. It's like the same plant, the same all sorts of things. I don't know. But I guess like growing altitudes for the blue agave do impact flavor. Blah, 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 blah. So on and so forth. So, I guess there is more to this tequila business than I would have thought. So, lesson learned on that one. I think I'll do it for Andrew Drinks Tequila uh, segment of the podcast. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. So for this week, we're going to take a little bit of a journey, musically, back into the old days of the glam metal scene. We've got one song that, for me at least, epitomizes this genre of music, which has always been... I know I say this a lot. It's always been one of my favorites, and it's true. I've seen a lot of glam metal bands in concert. I always love the music, because uh, generally, it's very upbeat. It's very just kind of like, you know, very much in the guitars, and they're all just squealing all over the place, and the hair's big, and it's very flamboyant and theatrical, and uh, it's just those are just a bunch of things I love about this genre of music. But we're going to talk about one song that came out right in the, right in the crux of this uh, flow, and then we're gonna talk about a song that came out far later that has a little bit of a connection uh, to the glam metal scene. But let's talk about the first song. Uh, this is not the cover for the week, but I just wanna talk about this song first. Uh, this is just a straight up classic in my mind. It's the first single released off of Poison's second studio album, Open Up and Say Ah. That's right, it's nothing but a good time. Now you might be thinking I only chose this song because it also omits a G in its title. It is spelled nothing with N-O-T-H-I-N apostrophe. And while that has a lot to do with it, nothing but a good time is just all about the weekend. It's, it's all about just 
Oh, it's just, it's party, you know? All you're looking for is nothing but a good time. And it's just, it's upbeat. It makes me feel good. That's all you need from a song like this. Back when I used to play radio in college, um, I would play music designed to make people happy. And this was almost a staple. It was at least once a month, if not a couple of times a week, me playing this song just because I love it so much. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal song. Came out in April of 1988. So it's it's from a long time ago. But the next song, which actually is the cover, um, and I will say that I have not struggled with a cover as much as I struggled with this one, simply because I didn't know how I wanted to do it. And I can talk a little bit about that after we hear it. But this band was also right around the same time as Poison in that glam metal scene. They had a one, they had basically, as far as I'm concerned, they had one song that really took off, and that was Sister Christian. That's right, Night Ranger. But I'm not talking about Sister Christian, because in my opinion, that song's not very good. But Night Ranger came out with an album in 2014 called High Road. And the title track off of that album, High Road, uh, I like it a lot. Um, it kind of reminds me of, uh, like a road trip through the desert kind of thing where it's, um, I have this weird genre of music I like to keep in my head that I like to call songs to listen to when driving through Montana or driving through Eastern Washington, you know, like that long stretch of flat road when it's just desert on either side for miles around and there's no like buildings or trees or anything like that. You're just in the hot sun, just kind of booking 85, 90 miles an hour down this desert road. This is a song that you would play on that road. And it's almost like this is like the theme song for going to like Burning Man. Like the first song is tell all my friends I'm going out to the desert this weekend. Like that's, that's literally the first line in the song. And it just encapsulates that feeling, for me at least, um, perfectly. It really feels like a summer song. It feels like a, an adventure song. So I really like it because of that. It is my favorite Night Ranger song. Just kind of bar none. At least that I've heard. Night Ranger has quite the catalog. But this song in particular, I'm a really big fan of. Now let's listen to my acoustic, kind of completely different version of this song. Tell all my friends. I'm going out to the desert this weekend When they find out I'll be gone for a lifetime or two I may start out Looking over my shoulder, I told ya I might end up Being someone you don't want to see Someone is who I'll be I'm on the high road don't think I'll ever come home I'm on the right road Got the freedom It'll never, no, never get old Yeah 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 I bounced around with a bunch of different methods for covering that song including a way of just doing it straight up like it is in the actual song but uh, I could not reach the, the vocal register that, um, the, uh, what's his face? Uh, I don't remember who the lead singer of Night Ranger is. Couldn't, couldn't hit those high notes, which I think is curious because I, I'm capable of it. I just hadn't warmed up vocally when I recorded the cover. So that's my, that's my cover for why the cover is not as close sounding. If you have a song that you want to suggest for song of the week, well, you can shoot me an email, gomcast at gmail.com. You can shoot me a message on gomcast.com. You can type it in on the contact tab in there and hit song of the week and send me the info that way. Or what you can do 
right? As you go down to your local guitar center, pick up a guitar, plug it into the third cabinet on the right-hand side past the register. Uh, it should be a Marshall, if I, if I remember correctly, because all guitar centers are laid out the same. I need you to plug in a guitar into that particular cabinet, okay? Put the volume to six, okay? Distortion pedal off, gain all the way up, and I want that treble right in the middle there, okay? Now on the guitar itself, we want the volume out of five and a five and a half on the two tap, on the two buttons there. And then you're gonna take the gain once again, crank it all the way up, all right? Play a G chord, followed by a D minor, followed by an E7, then a B7 back to the G. And while you're going through that terrible chord progression, just kind of scream the song title, and it'll reverberate across the airwaves of the universe into my brainwaves. If you can remember all that, take a video or something, because I'd be really interested to see how that goes down. Uh, but yeah, that's how you can reach out with Songs of the Week. I look forward to uh, looking forward to um, hearing what you guys want on this playlist. Also, in case you've forgotten, or in case you're a new listener, you can actually send in yourself covering your Song of the Week, and I'll play that right on the podcast. I'll just I'll just slap it right in there. I think that's I think it'd be fantastic. So if you have a, a musical bone in your body, or even if you don't, even if it's you know if it's terrible, don't worry about it. I'll play it anyway. I think it'd be great. It'd be awesome to just listen to it. So send those in at gongcast@gmail.com, and let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Hey gang, it is I, Andrew, once again in the car. I really hope you guys don't mind these segments because I do them a lot. Um, and it's mostly because when things I do are fresh in me mind, I want to talk about them as quickly as possible. So I usually wait till I'm in the car when I can talk about them. So here I am in the car wanting to talk about a thing I did. So tonight for the first and probably last time for a really long time, I went and saw the Adventure Zone live at the Paramount Theater in Seattle. Me and 2000 of my closest friends all went there. I actually ran into a bunch of people from work and I feel bad because we were, they were like grouping up at the entrance of the place and they're like, yeah, all the people from work are gonna like gather here. And I'm like, shit, that sounds fun. I have to drive a friend home. So I can't, I can't do it. Um, and I felt really bad because I totally would have done that, but oh well, shit happens. Um, but yeah, I really hope I'm doing this right. Wee! Just, just driving through roads. There we go. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. So a bit of backstory. I bought these tickets, obviously, when they went on sale weeks and weeks ago. And uh, I kind of screwed up in actually buying the tickets so that me and my four friends who were going to see the show, none of us were sitting together. Actually, I take that back. Two of us were sitting together, but the rest of us weren't. So we're all just kind of spread out. So um, we had a couple of drinks beforehand, which I always maintain is super necessary for things like this, especially if you're sitting next to a bunch of complete strangers because it, like, you know, the liquid courage helps lubricate the wheels and gets conversation rocking a bit faster. So I was chatting with the people next to me and they're all super nice. Um, most of them were in straight up full, full bore cosplay. Um, and I, like, I've never been to a show or a convention that had this much cosplay. Like I've been to PAX like eight or nine times and the, the sheer concentration of people cosplaying, I would say it was almost 50, 50, people cosplaying or not cosplaying. That's how many like capes and robes and all sorts of shit. Just people cosplaying everywhere. It was very cool. Um, and the show itself, I don't want to talk spoiler details. I don't want to even tell you what the show is about because it's probably not going to come out for listening 
first, like, I think my review and me talking about the show will go up before the show itself. Um, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say shit all about what they actually talked about because the last thing I need is the Macaroras coming down on me hard for spoiling their live show. I will say it was incredibly enjoyable. I laughed super hard. It was longer than I thought it was gonna be. Um, I was fully prepared for them to be on stage for like an hour and then that was it. Uh, they were not, they were on stage for, for significantly longer than that. I was a little bummed out because I wanted a t-shirt. I, I, I was like, I don't care what the t-shirt says. I want a t-shirt and they don't, they didn't have any t-shirts there. I know they have them online, I like their stores. Uh, but I've looked at those t-shirts and they're just kind of like, meh. I really wanted something like the Adventure Zone live at the Paramount, you know, some, some t-shirt like that. They had a poster and a pin set, but the poster was 20 bucks and the pin set was $40. And I kind of get it that they're still, they're still like a podcast, you know what I mean? They're not like, I don't know, it's not a, it's not a, a band, you know? They don't do the, the touring thing for like a lot, you know? It's, it's still kind of like this we're predominantly a podcast, but every now and then we get this wonderful opportunity to do a live show. Um, but they did sell this out, and they also sold out the previous night show of them doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which I unfortunately could not get tickets to. Um, not that I tried, because at the time the tickets came out, I wasn't that big of a Bim Bam fan. Uh, now I'm on episode 81 moving forward. I know they're in like the 400s, so I've got a long way to go before I'm finally caught up. Um, but they're just so entertaining. Um, I will say, in terms of, so I've seen I've seen Game Grumps live, and I've seen the Adventures on live, and with the recent announcement of Critical Role going to be at Comic Con, uh, Emerald City Comic Con in Seattle, um, I'm not sure if they're doing a, a live Critical Role show or if they're just all going to be there. Um, but I probably I'd probably see a Critical Role live show if they did do one for Emerald City Comic Con. Um, I don't think the Adventure Zone needs to be witnessed in person. It was awesome being there. The energy of the crowd was really cool. I laughed a lot. I loved seeing them, like actually physically watching them do the stuff and the banter back and forth was, was all awesome. But in terms of like any kind of like air quotes missing content that you don't get because you're listening to a podcast, there's very little of that. There's a couple of hand gestures and they make some funny faces and stuff like that. But Overall, you get like 90% of what's going on in the podcast. Um, even more so because like they're not sitting, like I think Justin and Clint still record in the same room. No, they don't anymore. They changed that actually in the recent one. Like they don't even see each other. Um, or maybe they do with like Skype and stuff. But you know, it's like you, there's, you're not missing anything if you don't see these guys live is what I'm trying to say. Um, it's like it was a simple stage setup. Uh, there's a picture of the stage on my blog, actually, you can go take a look at that, like, it was really simplistic, the lighting was really cool, I liked that a lot, um, and yeah, it was, it was very good, I, I really enjoyed it, I can't wait to listen to this episode later on down the road, to see if I can pick out, like, my own voice in the crowd, you know, that kind of thing, like, I think I laughed, uh, like, first, or only myself laughing a couple of times, so I'm probably gonna be able to be like, oh, yep, there's me, way in the back, uh, so I'm, I'm hoping for that. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about my adventure getting to the theater uh, beforehand. So I parked at the uh, Washington State Convention Center parking lot because I know that parking lot. I trust that parking lot. It's really cheap, and it's right next to the Paramount. So I parked there, and then I'm calling my uh, my buddy. Um, or I, you know, why am I, what the fuck, my buddy? I'm calling my brother. I went to see it with him, and he's at this bar called, I don't remember, Fein Fe- Hildebrau? Some, sure, why not? Some, it was, it's a German place. 
Um, and it was like a 20 minute walk from where I parked. And I got there pretty late because traffic was bad. And I was like, do I, do I really have to walk all the way out there? Because I know it's going to be a 20 minute walk out and then a 20 minute walk back. And I'm like, ugh. And he's like, just come out here and quit being a bitch. And so I was like, all right. So I walk out there and there's a lot of cities I'll feel comfortable in, you know? Like, I know there's a lot of horrible things said about like New York City. I love New York City. I could wander the streets in New York at like 3.30 in the morning and feel so safe. I don't know what it is. That city is just magical. I love New York City. It's one of my favorite places in the world. I love it to pieces. I don't like Seattle as a city. Like, it's fine, but like, it's not really close together. There's lots of streets of just like kind of nothing. And there's a lot of homeless people around. I know that's a big problem for our city, but it's just like, I don't know. I don't feel safe in Seattle most of the time. Fortunately, um, I'm, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm not a small individual. Um, I'm like 200 pounds on a bad day. <laughs> more on a good day, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty beefy dude, and, you know, I put on my sunglasses, and I frown as I walk down the street, and people leave me alone, because, you know, I'm in, I, again, I don't want to toot my own horn, and I know this isn't true, especially if you know me, um, I'm, I, to a stranger, I could be intimidating, and I use that, and I just, I don't want people to bother me on the street, so I put on my sunglasses where you can't see my eyes, and I just walk down the street, and just, stone cold face looking straight ahead so nobody fucks with me and I made it there no problem and I sit down at the table and the waitress comes over and I like point at the first beer on the list and I'm like give me the biggest you got and uh cause I'm I, I love my beer I do and I am of the opinion that if a beer shows up at my table anything smaller than a liter it's not worth it so I got my liter of beer and I chugged that no problem it was delicious good beer um but, uh, but yeah, I just, uh, and then of course we walk 20 minutes back to the theater. We get our seats. It's all well and good. I'm chatting with people next to me. We watch the show. It's hilarious. And then I hop in the car and it's like almost 10 o'clock and I'm about to be home. And man, I wish all shows were like that. It's almost a revolutionary idea where I went to a fucking event and I saw the thing I paid for instantly and didn't have to sit through any opening shit. Sorry, I don't mean to yell at you, but you know, it's. It rankles deep within me that all these other fucking shows. I'm going to back off this dude a little bit. I got really mad at the dude um, just behind me kind of riding my ass. I'm like, where the fuck do you need to be? And I just realized I'm doing that to the person in front of me. So I'm, I'm backing off a little bit. There's there's no reason for me to be right on this dude's ass. So I'm going to back off a little bit. I basically stopped dead in the middle of the road there. Let this dude get ahead of me so I can keep driving and not be like right next to him, you know? It's being courteous, you know? It bothers me, so I imagine it bothers the person in front of me. Anyway, show is very good. Um, despite me saying you don't need to see him live, if you get the opportunity, you know, from like, a, you got to support the good, good McElroys, I'd recommend you go see him. Um, that's, that's just me. So, who knows? Who knows? Perhaps, uh, perhaps they'll be around again. And because I know each show's different, probably, I'd probably go again. I'll be honest, I will probably go and see the Adventure Zone again. So, and one of these days, I swear, I promise, I will get caught up on all these things. Like, bam bam, yeah, technically, I will get caught up someday, you know? Because I go through, like, when I listen to My Brother, My Brother, Me, I go through, like, two or three episodes a day, right? So, 
I'm listening to them pretty quickly because they're pretty short in the beginning, so I can plow through a lot of them at like work and stuff. I'll listen to the Adventure Zone. I'm gonna, I, you know what? I need to start. I need to start scheduling this shit because I gotta listen to Critical Role. I gotta listen to the Adventure Zone, and I gotta listen to my brother, my brother, and me. So what I'm probably gonna do is I'm gonna be like, all right, Tuesday, you gotta listen to three episodes of this, and then Wednesday, you gotta listen to that, and I'll just, I will just plan it out. Be like, do this. Don't say I'll do it later. Because I, I keep saying that and it doesn't happen. So I'm just going to have to fucking do it and listen to these things. Because I want to know what's happening. And I, I love the stories that are being told. And I love the whole thing. I just need to fucking do it. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to work out a schedule. And I'm just going to stick to it. Uh, like working out. I work out basically every day. So you just, once you start, once you get past that hump week, once you get past that first week, it becomes so much easier. So, but yeah, that's basically... The Adventure Zone Live, I loved it to bits. I'm going to track down a, a fun t-shirt or something to buy just to showcase my love for the Adventure Zone. Um, I mean, I suppose the, the Taco's Amazing School of Wizardly Magic gets the job done, but, you know, people don't see that. I, I, I like t-shirts like a status symbol. I had a couple of people recognize the shirt I wore tonight. I wore a Critical Role shirt tonight, and everybody's like, yeah, Critical Role. I'm like, yeah, it's the closest thing I had because I don't have an Adventure Zone shirt, so I need to fix that. Anyway... Thank you all for listening. Um, I don't know what the hell is on the rest of this podcast because, you know, I, I never know what's on the podcast until it's done. So, fun, fun little fun little behind the scenes here. The last thing I record for every podcast is the intro to the podcast because how else do I know what I, what's in the podcast unless I save that bit for last, you know what I mean? So, otherwise it'd be really prophetic uh, to just be like, this week we talk about this, this, and the other thing. And I'm like, all right, well, hopefully throughout this week I remember to talk about this, this, and the other thing. So, anyway, I'm home now. I've got to go to the bathroom like nobody's business. So I'm going to go run in and do that. Fortunately, I don't have to be at work tomorrow until like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So, thank you all for, for listening. And, you know, if you haven't checked out the McElroy's wonderful library of podcasts, I'd recommend you do so. And I'll see you the rest of y'all later on in the next thing of the podcast. So, like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to come back and describe to you my closing thoughts on Hilda. It uh, was 13 wonderful episodes of just child whimsy with some pretty pretty significant storylines kind of thrown in there. Um, what I really enjoyed about the show is that there were a lot of micro story threads that were, were hinted at a lot throughout the show that don't get like brought into the spotlight until like six or seven episodes after the uh, the crumbs begin falling. You know what I mean? Like each episode ended with like a little tease or something like that, or there'd be something going on in the background that if you're paying attention, you could totally pick up on something's not quite right there, but it doesn't really click in what's happening. You know what I mean? Uh, so there's a lot of stuff like that where it's just like little bits and bobs all over the place and it's awesome fun it it rewards you for paying attention which not a lot of shows do so i really enjoyed that aspect of it there were a couple of episodes in the middle there that it kind of dragged that weren't the best but this isn't this is a, the type of show where it's like it's like the dark souls franchise dark souls 2 wasn't very good compared to the other dark souls games in the in the you know in the franchise but when compared to other games, they're still head and shoulders above a bunch of stuff. So even a bad Hilda episode is still way better than like a bunch of other things. So it's only bad when you compare it to its brothers. 
uh, that kind of that kind of attitude. So even when it drags, or even when there's a side character that uh, might be a little irritating, um, the show does a really good job of just kind of flipping the script on him, and all of a sudden it's like, um, like for example, there's a, there's a bird character who, when I first was introduced to this character, I was like, what is this knockoff Nathan Lane piece of shit doing? Um, and he was a little grinding at first, but after a while became one of my favorite characters. Um, just kind of straight up. So the show that like the first impressions of a lot of characters aren't the strongest, but the show does a really good job of making you care about basically everybody in the show, um, on some level, except for one character, uh, who's kind of there at the tail end who has like no redeeming qualities at all. Um, and that's not because they're a bad character. It's because they're a horrible person. So there's, there's that as well. And I think the biggest thing Hilda has going for it is it's complete. It ties up all of its story threads so nice and neat and leaves you just enough like kind of ambiguity at the end of the season where it's like, if they continue with the season two, that's going to be wonderful. But if that is all we ever get, I, as a viewer and a consumer of this medium, am satisfied because I got my beginning, middle, and end. It was an adorable story. It leaves you, it leaves the world open for you to wonder what adventures occur afterwards, what the characters do beyond this. But it doesn't leave you like confused or sad that it, it ended because it ended in such a way where it's just like there's the there's the story we wanted to tell. This is book one done. Like, hammered, done to the nail, it's all finished, here's the whole thing, you can enjoy it, you can rewatch it, it's it's all there. You know, if there's stuff beyond it, cool, but if not, I'm good. I'm perfectly good. And too many shows nowadays leave you hanging forever. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm almost terrified to start a new show, because if I start it, and I like it, and then it gets cancelled, and never fucking finishes... Then you spend the rest of your goddamn life going like, God damn it, I wish I knew what happened at the end of this show. Uh, but I suppose, you know, it's better to have loved than lost to never to have loved at all. And there's something to be said for that. But fortunately, you don't have to fear any of these things with Hilda. You get it all. You get the beginning, the middle, and the end. It ends amazingly. So you get the payoff. So no fear here. I, I promise you'll be happy with the ending because I was happy with the ending. And it, it's, it's a worthwhile show. So, I will give that my full recommendation. It's one of the best things Netflix has put out that I've seen. Uh, I have to amend my statement now because people got mad at me being like, well, have you seen Stranger Things? And I'm like, no. And they're like, well, then you don't fucking know what you're talking about, do you? And I'm like, why do you talk like that? That's the uh, shut up. So, yeah. But Hilda's really good. I really enjoyed it. So, I encourage you guys to watch it. And uh, like I said earlier, if you have a new Netflix show that you're watching, I'd li- I need some recommendations because I just finished Hilda. And, um... I need something else to watch. So I'd really appreciate that. And, uh, you know, as I watch new things on Netflix, I'll be sure to talk about them on here because I feel like Netflix is pretty ubiquitous nowadays where basically we all have Netflix. Um, and I think it's it's nice where we can share things and we can talk about it and all that stuff. And who knows? Who knows what's coming down the Netflix pipeline? I know Daredevil Season 3 is imminent. And I'm probably going to watch that because that's the only Marvel show I'm I stuck with. You know what I mean? I watched all of Daredevil Season 2. Um, but that's like, that was, that's it. That's the only one I hang on for anymore. But that's enough Netflix chat. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. So you guys may recall from a little while ago that I received this thing called the, hold on, let me reach for the box here. 
Tacos Correspondent School of Wizardry, Cantrips, and Other Magics. It was a puzzle box. I uh, came with some cool puzzles. It was pretty interactive. There was a little website where you typed in the solution to the puzzles in order to hear some fun dialogue from the good, good McElroy brothers uh, and Clint talking about their adventures in the Adventure Zone and all that fun stuff. And the puzzle aspect was very fun. And I was vastly looking forward to the arrival of the second and the third package in this whole kind of fun adventure. And unlike the first box where I got an email with like tracking details and stuff like that, it was just, it just showed up. I have it. It just appeared. Um, I didn't know really when to expect it, but I now have the second box of Taco's Correspondent School of Wizardry Can Trips and Other Magic, along with the optional box Sizzle It Up with Taco. So I thought I would take a hot second here and just kind of talk to you guys about what the boxes had. So the Taco second Taco box, same design as the first Taco box. I'm going to post pictures of, uh, of all the boxes and the more interesting tidbits therein within that came with them on the website so you guys can take a little look at them there's a little note that says uh it's my honor to personally thank you for your assistance in restoring prosperity to the town of refuge though the town may never know your name the legend of taco will forever be exalted in the dozens of children to be blessed with his name generations will celebrate the tale of how taco saved the lives of his companions in a mortal showdown against the horrible glass squid bartolesque and recover enough diamonds to restore prosperity to refuge you should feel very proud of your accomplishments yours in magic ren moldira assistant dina magic ps taco ask that you call him when you have a moment and you type in this rune and then taco says like congratulations student and uh, there's another little little thank you note that comes from the Macroys themselves and the Mysterious Package Company for buying this thing. There's a little rolled up scroll that says you've graduated the school and it's got your name on it, which I thought was a very nice touch. It actually says says my name, says Andrew on it, which I think is awesome. Uh, it comes with this little uh, little uh, wood box. I can't tell you exactly what type of wood. Um, it's definitely real wood. It smells delicious. Uh, but within this little wood box is this adorable little purple wand that says my first wand. Um, and that's like the reward for for doing the uh, the whole challenge and stuff like that. So everybody that did this got a little purple wand that says my first wand, which I think is adorable. It is very well made. I've made my own wand um, in previous, previous years. Um, and I can say that the uh, craftsmanship on this wand is, is quite nice. It also comes with a little pin. That says, Tacos Correspondence School of uh, Wizardry Cantrips and Other Magic's first graduating class, which is a nice little addition. And the wand comes with a little owner's manual that at the very bottom of which, on like the second page, it has another set of runes that if you type those into the little uh, uh, sending stone, you get this little message from Garfield the Deals Warlock going like, Fantasy Costco's closed right now. Please leave a message after the... Like that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, that's very nice. So all in all, I would say the core experience of Taco's Correspondence School of Wizardry Cantrips and Other Magics was very enjoyable. I enjoyed the puzzles. I'm I'm pretty pleased with the rewards that I received at the end of it. I know the cost of making something like this is pretty obscene, and that's probably why it was so expensive. Um, after it's all said and done, I will say I got like, I mean, the puzzles themselves probably gave me good six seven hours of enjoyment just trying to solve those and this was just a nice little bonus to get that whereas like i got the taste of the reward without actually having to solve any any freaking puzzles so all in all i'm pretty happy pretty happy with the core experience but let's talk about the sizzle up taco box now this was an additional add-on thing that you could do right at the very end of the whole like buying the taco experience and i remember vividly saying go in for a penny in for a pound 
and so I just bought this one too. And um, this, I had no idea what to expect. I was like, is it going to be more puzzles? I mean, Sizzled Up with Taco is the name of his cooking show from the Adventure, show, uh, Adventure Zone. And I'm like, is it going to have recipes? Like, what's what's going to be in here? So I opened it up, not knowing what to expect. First thing you're hit with is another certificate uh, with your name on it that says you've graduated the culinary class. And I'm like, I didn't even take the culinary class. But all right, I'll take it. Um, and then you get a lovely purple embroidered chef's hat that says sizzle it up with taco and i'm like oh that's nice that's nice it does fit on my enormous head but at like its maximum setting so i do have a chef's hat i did not have a chef's hat before now that i really needed a chef's hat before but now i have a chef's hat so you know for cosplay purposes or if i'm feeling particularly fancy in the kitchen i mean you guys know i do a fair amount of cooking so probably gonna use that freaking chef's hat and then there is four printed index cards um that contain four recipes uh, a recipe for butter cookies a recipe for something called chess bars um i don't know what that are what that is uh taco croissants and sweet potato casserole and what i think is a very lovely touch oh i just noticed this oh there's runes on the butter cookies recipe oh, i'm gonna have to type those in here in a hot second um what i think is a super nice touch is on the back of these index cards there are vegan and gluten-free um substitution options for those with dietary restrictions and I want to apply the macaroys for, for doing that. There's sugar cookies that's vegan, peanut butter and jelly bars that's vegan and gluten-free, a vegan croissant, and a corn casserole that is vegan and gluten-free. So good job on that front. I cannot wait to type in the runes on this and see what's up. But I think what made the Sizzle It Up with Taco Box truly worth it is that at the bottom of the box, there are three cookie cutters in the shape of Magnus, Merle, and Taco just straight up and i'm just i'm just kind of blown away by that I'm, I'm like i didn't know what to expect but the cookie cutters made it supremely worth it like a practical thing that i can use in the future that i absolutely will use in the future oh my god i'm probably gonna make these butter cookies because they sound pretty good cup of butter i don't have that much butter a cup of butter my word that is a lot of butter but oh my god i cannot wait to make adventure zone cookies jesus can't wait. Oh, I'm so I'm so interested to type in this rune. Uh, uh, if I wasn't worried about copyright stuff, I'd play it for you on the podcast, but I don't want to get into, get into hot water with macros, which I think is the second time I've said this on this episode of the podcast. Um, all in all, very pleased. Very, very pleased. I will say that I believe the Sizzled Up with Taco Box to just straight up give you a better reward because um, the wand is cool and the certificates are neat, but at the end of the day, you can't do anything with them. Now... Freaking Adventure Zone cookie cutters. I can do something with that. These are useful and they will be a part of my, like, dessert making uh, adventures for years to come. So thank you very much, Macaros, for that. Holy crap. Super cool. I cannot wait to use them. That was awesome. That was worth the price of admission right there. So all in all, very pleased. Um, I'm, like, I think the, the real strong appeal of this box was the fact that it was Adventure Zone. Uh, related. I can't see myself going back to Mysterious Package Company anytime soon unless it's for an intellectual property I am familiar with. Like, just doing getting a neat puzzle box for the sake of getting a neat puzzle box doesn't really interest me, to be perfectly honest. So, if the Adventure Zone decides to come back, like, I mean, with Amnesty, I'm pretty sure there's lots of mysteries involved, and if this was a, uh, a beneficial relationship for the pair of them, I could totally see them doing something similar later on down the road, and I'd probably pick that up, I'd be honest. 
I would I would definitely pick that up. Um, but I think the sizzle it up with taco box is probably my favorite bit of the whole of the whole jam, just because of the cookie cutters. That oh man, ooh, adventure zone cookie cutters. Anyway, it's very very exciting. Um, I'm gonna play this rune thing and see what that's all about. And um, I, I'm sure it's probably just a little goof, but uh, but I'm very excited. I was right. It was a goof. It was just Taco telling us to not use table salt uh, and instead use like kosher or coarse grain sea salt. Um, which, I mean, yeah, that is a is absolutely what's up. Um, which is interesting because the little notes that says, that talks about salt is in a recipe in which salt is not utilized. In fact, salt is not utilized in any of these recipes at all. So I find the comment there. Curious at best. The chest bars is interesting because it tells you to use a box of yellow cake mix and like a whole container of cream cheese and a pound of confectioner sugar. What the f what the fuck do those taste like? A whole stick of butter, three eggs, cream cheese, confectioner sugar, and yellow cake mix. Chest bars. Preheat the oven, mix the cake mix, butter, uh, one and egg. One and egg? Butter, one and egg. Oh, okay. Um, beat cream cheese, two eggs, and sugar with mixer until creamy. Pour over cake mix. Bake. That's not going to pour. Well, it might pour. I don't think that'll pour. Pour over cake mix and then bake. The fuck? What the? F what are these? You want me to pour cream cheese over raw cake mix? And then bake for 30 to 40 minutes. I have no idea what the texture of that would be. And I'm very interested to find out. That doesn't make any sense on paper. I mean, who am I to argue with Taco? But I don't... I don't think that's right. Uh, oh, Taco Croissants. God damn it. I thought he was just telling you how to make croissants. Because his name's Taco. But no, they're literally Taco Croissants. It's got ground beef, minced onion, taco seasoning... And then you just stuff that in crescent rolls. That being said, that does sound pretty good. That does sound pretty good. And the sweet potato casserole just looks like a a good little recipe for a sweet potato casserole. It's got pecans on it. I actually just listened to a Mabim Bam, My Brother, My Brother Me episode where they talked about how sweet potato casserole was their collective favorite food for Thanksgiving. So I like that in terms of like a pretty deep cut. In fact, I'd be willing to bet... I'd be willing to bet that the others are um, are deep McElroy cuts as well. Like, I'm pretty sure these recipes were not just chosen out of randomness. They were chosen with a purpose. Um, those chest bars, though, that confuses the ever-living shit out of me. I'm, I'm really going to have to make those to figure out what the fuck I'm dealing with. Because just on paper, that recipe does not make sense. I mean, it sounds like I'm making cake. But the fact that I'm putting the cream cheese... It, it, it bas the fact that I'm mixing the cream cheese with two eggs... And then baking it, I have no idea what that's going to taste like. Not a fucking clue. I think they just made this recipe up off the top of their heads. But, holy crap. Going to figure that one out later on. Um, but yes, once again, review. Very positive. I'm very pleased with their efforts. I think this was absolutely worth my time. I love the looks of the boxes. I think they make nice little displays on shelves. So, overall, very pleased. I hope there's more of them collaborating with similar um kind of ideas and stuff like that in the future who knows what we're gonna get 
But for the here and the now, I am very pleased, especially hot off the heels of listening to the live show. And once like um, I am on the tail end of listening to the balance arc for the second time. I'm in the middle of the stolen century, about to wrap up a story and song. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to catch up on Amnesty and all the live shows that I've missed. And then once I'm caught up to the present, I can then turn my attention to Critical Role, which I am so far behind on. But thank you very much, McElroy's. It was awesome. I loved it. I can't wait to see what you guys come out with next in terms of if you guys do something like this again. Or who knows? Who knows what the McElroy's have got hidden up their sleeves. But right now, I got to skedaddle because it's time for me to go socialize with individual people. And stuff like that. And pretend I don't live in a cave. So I'll see you all the next thing in the podcast. Hey guys. It is I once again. Coming at you live from inside my car. And for this segment of the podcast. I want to talk about. Something that I think we're all capable of doing. And I think it's important for us to do it. Every now and then. Just to get a different perspective on things. And what I'm talking about. Is taking the long way home. It's a, it's a simple thought. It's something that I'm sure you've all heard throughout your lives. Taking the long way home. And for me, that literally, I take that literally. I, there is a second route that I can take to get back to my place of residence that is, in fact, quite long. But what, I, what this route has over my primary method for getting home is less traffic, and it takes me right by the open water. Um, very close to Puget Sound. I can just stare at the water and look at the mountains and all that stuff on this ride home, and it's beautiful. And what I love about it is it just reminds me of how close I am to the water because, like, you can easily get kind of lost in your own world. Um, No matter where you are, you can kind of just lose sight of the bigger picture of life. You know what I mean? Where it's, you go to work, you come home, you... You sleep and you eat and you go to work and you come home and you sleep and eat and you rinse and repeat forever. But every now and then I like to I like to take the long way home and just see the water and see the mountains and just look at the world beyond my scope, you know? And it's refreshing. It provides that that focal resetting that you need in order to really appreciate what's going on, you know, in order to appreciate what you have and where you are in your line of life and when things might seem a little down you realize that it's not the only thing that matters in this world you know or it maybe doesn't even matter at all it's those those sorts of uh introspective journeys um i often find i have time for and i gain a lot of insight from on the long way home so that's your homework assignment for this for this week for life just once once a week once in a commute when you can afford it you know take the take the long way home look at the water look at the mountains find a find a new route maybe find like a dirt path or something to drive your car up like right now i've got no cars behind me and i've got no cars in front of me and what i'm gonna do is i'm just gonna slow down to a stop on this hill because while it is late at night and I can't quite see the water. I can see the lights across it. And I can, that's one of the most comforting things in this world to me. Because whenever you see lights in the distance, you know those lights are tied to stories. 
You know what I mean? Like, I can see one, two, three large cityscapes across the water. And it's like each one of those lights represents a dozen people. People with their own problems and stories. People with their own families that they have to think about, provide for, come home to. People with projects due tomorrow that they're stressing out overnight. Those people are everywhere. And those lights just help remind me that no matter how often in this life you feel like it's just beating you down, you're not the only one struggling with these problems. And I find that comforting, you know? You're not alone in life's swallow and misery. It's, we're all, we're all in this crazy ship together. And sometimes it's nice to take a long way home and just look out at those lights and think about what they're going through and if it's more or less stressful than what you're currently going through and realizing at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, you know? It's like, you got your stuff, they've got their stuff, but everybody's got stuff. Nobody's life is perfect. Nobody's got it figured out. We're all constantly figuring it out. Constantly improving. And that's, I love stuff like that. I absolutely love it. Just the lights are on the horizon, representing a whole, whole other host of people. People you will never deal with on a daily basis because they're across the water. They're on the other side. And it may be better or worse on that side. You have no idea. Actually, you know what? I can say with absolute certainty, it isn't better or worse, it's both. It is all things. It's Schrodinger's city. It is everything until proven otherwise. So, I love stuff like that. And uh, I also enjoyed my evening tonight because not only was I hanging out with dear friends of mine, but I was hanging out with my dear friends in my preferred method. We had a lovely dinner, had some drinks, um, went to a couple of stores just kind of wandered about, and then we ended the night at a place called Pie Bar, which was probably like the most relaxing thing I could have done because not only was the inside like an alpine ski lodge, but all the screens on the TVs just on the walls had these amazing, amazing like, I don't know if they were repeating images or just really long steady camera shots of nature footage, but um, it was called uh, thesilentwatcher.com is what it was called. And they had like these amazing waterfall and river images just in like these deep mossy forests on every screen and it was super calming. Got a lovely slice of pie and like a big glass of milk. It's fucking delicious and I loved it. So I want you guys to check out the silent watcher and just enjoy those wonderful images of just peace and tranquility. Get some, get some calming moments in today's hectic world. But I think that's gonna be it for this week's podcast. I covered a lot of ground. A lot of it was the McElroy brothers just doing the do, but I want I want the true takeaway for tonight's or today's podcast to be take the long way home. I want you guys to break out of your little comfortable circles of life and explore, stretch out, go to the local city park. Maybe maybe you'll find like a a new critter you've never seen before, or see a tree that you've never pictured. You never know what you're gonna find. That's the homework for you guys. I want you to get out and about, enjoy this world we live in because there is true beauty to be found everywhere and you're not gonna find it on your daily grind. You gotta get out and about, you gotta hunt for it. It's out there. All you need to do is take the time to look for it. Thank you all very much for listening to this week's episode of The Going Up Cast with myself, Andrew Logan. I hope you enjoyed the songs of the week. I hope you enjoy the Harry Potter chapters. 
I don't remember what else I talked about. I just hope you liked it. I just hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to share with your friends. I mean, we're, we're still going strong. Still going strong. You can listen to it on Spotify. You can listen to it on the website. You can listen to it on iTunes. I'll even mail you zip drives. I won't, but you should still tell your friends about it. Sure would mean a lot to me. And as always, keep your, keep your ears open for the hair powder chapters that drop next week. And I will see you all next week ready to read your homework about all the new adventures you guys went on on another episode of the Going Upcast. Have a good one, everyone.